Kelly's Taboo Terrors presents Shock Talk with Zoe Smith. second episode of Shock Talk. As I sit in my cold, dark dungeon, I am joined by a fellow lover of extreme horror, Zoe Smith. Zoe is the creator of a Zobo with a Shotgun and specializes in extreme horror. She is a freelance film journalist that runs the Zobo with a Shotgun horror podcast and YouTube channel. She also writes for various outlets, including Scream Horror Magazine, Horror News Net, Jump Cut Online, The Horrorcist, and more. She is the co-host of A Nice Chianti podcast and co-host of the unrated cut show on YouTube. She is also a Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic. And this is an older intro. So why don't you briefly tell us about literally what you launched a few days ago? Yeah, well, (laughs) um, a few days ago, I launched a new online horror magazine, which is called Ghouls Magazine. And it's written through the female perspective. So we have an awesome team of amazing female writers who are going to be delving deeper into the horror genre, which I'm very very excited about Um, and yeah we'll also be doing some monthly events online and hopefully one day in the future maybe even offline depending on on how the world gets back to uh, normal (laughs) and what's happening on February 20th on February 20th we have a very exciting online event uh, with four different events happening across the day we've got a roundtable discussion to start with some of the writers talking about horror Then we have an event uh, celebrating Black History Month um, and we've got an amazing lineup of guests and panellists, which I'm really, really excited about. Then we've got a Women in Horror quiz, um, which is I did it and I failed really badly. So I hope everyone else can do better than me. And then um, at the end of the day, we've got some drinks just to chat and I guess have a bit of fun and let off some steam. Yeah, so this is going to be released next Sunday, but... People will be uh, at least updated on what's going on in the horror world and the horror genre. So it's really exciting. And folks might see me appear somewhere around there at some point in time. I hope so. That's the the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So on Shock Talk, my guests and I talk about their favorite extreme horror film. And Zoe has chosen the Turkish film from 2015 called Baskin. The synopsis for Baskin is as follows. While taking a break, a unit of cops receive a distress call over the radio. Directed to an abandoned building in the middle of nowhere, they soon find themselves trapped in a surreal and nightmarish world. It's like they have entered hell itself. So, Zoe, um, how about you briefly tell me why you chose this movie and kind of your story around how you discovered this film, and then we'll we'll get right into it. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of stumbled across this film, actually, um, which I feel like I, I say for everything I find. Um, <laughs> I I clearly spend a lot of time just browsing the internet looking for things. But the way I stumbled across it was, I think when it was first coming out, it cropped up a few times as, like, the trailer kept coming out and there were some stills of it 
and people kept saying um, in news, you know, is this going to be the most disturbing movie ever mm-hmm. made? Is it going to shock yeah. the audiences? Which obviously I was like, I need to see that then. That looks like something <laughs> yep. I want to see. Um, and yeah, so I, it was like kind of top of my list. Um, and when it came out, I think, you know, I don't know about you, but I often find with a lot of the, the newer extreme films, I find it quite hard to be as taken by a lot of them. A lot of my favourite extreme films are, are a lot older, you know, like Necromantic and Salo and films like that. But yeah. I just watched Baskin and I was like, holy fuck, I love this film more than anything in the world. I was like, this is just <laughs> incredible. I, And I think, you know, I also think it's quite an underrated film. I don't think that many people have seen it. And yeah, I mean, very excited to be able to tell more people to watch it. Yeah, so for so for me, I was the same kind of way of how I stumbled across this film is, you know, people say, seeing the stills of it, I'm thinking, wow, what is this movie? It looks crazy. I can't wait to watch it. And then I saw that it was like in your top five and that you love this film. So I was like, okay, well, let's let's get into this. And so honestly, when I first watched Baskin, it was probably at some point last year, I didn't really like it. But I mean, I don't have to like all the films that guests are going to bring to the table here because it's all about your love for this movie and giving, you know, attention and respect to a film. I was excited to, to revisit it. And then holy fuck, watched it the other day. And I was like, oh no, 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 I get this now. I don't know. I think for me, I was stuck on things that have kind of like a time loop, time warp, like some stuff like that. Sometimes it just confuses me personally. And and then sometimes I'm kind of turned off by maybe narratives that don't really make a lot of sense per se, or at least on like initial viewing or on the superficial kind of main basic level. Because there's still aspects of this movie that I don't really get, but this time around, it didn't matter. When I like really sat down with it and watched it and paid attention and wasn't distracted and just like 100% went for it, I am totally converted. I am sold. This movie is highly underrated and amazing. So let's talk about it. So this movie was uh, written, directed by a person named Can Evrenal. Sorry for my pronunciation on this, but this is his first feature film. And he also wrote and directed Housewife, which is currently streaming on Shudder, which I haven't seen. And also when I looked up Turkish horror films, I haven't seen any other ones. Have you yourself seen any other Turkish horror films that we could like use as a guide or a reference? You know, I don't think I have. I, 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 I have seen Housewife, though. Um, okay. And it's a film that actually I think I would like to revisit because yeah. it's interesting what you said about your first viewing of Baskin because that's exactly how I felt when I watched Housewife was I mm-hmm. didn't really get on with it and I was kind of left going a bit like, I was like, whoa, I'm not sure about that. But I feel like on a rewatch, I might find something different about it. But yeah, I mean, other Turkish horror films, I, I don't think I've seen anything it's uh yeah maybe a genre maybe a country genre that we need to delve into a bit more Uh, I I would think so. If this is any kind of indication of the, at least generally, like the level of horror and I, what I really love and I've learned to really love and respect over the, really the, during the pandemic, because all I've done is, is watch movies, is I love foreign films so much. And I did prior to that, but 
I love their interpretation of art, their interpretation of horror, because it's, I mean, culturally, they, you know, Turkey is very different than Canada, very different than England. And just like what each country has to offer for the horror genre is always so diverse and unique and really, really interesting. So I really, really love that about it. And that scene, when they're, all the cops are in their van and the, they crank up the volume of that very poppy Turkish song and they're singing along, it's like, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. And I think I think that's the thing about the film is, I mean, you're quite right when you're talking about the narrative being like almost a bit chaotic. It's, it's quite all over the place at times. But, you know, I think it's really interesting that you said that on a, a second time you loved it because actually I personally find Baskin to be a bit of a film where every single time I watch it I find something new about it and I also look at it from a different perspective depending on my state of mind like Absolutely. I, I feel like you can read it so many different ways depending on how you feel and yeah also Mm -hmm. I think you know the cultural aspect of it comes through a lot and I think it brings a lot of its kind of you know I think a lot of foreign films bring like their mythology or their kind of laws that they have which I guess for us it's it's, you know it's something completely different we're just not used to that which which I love so much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so on on my rewatch of this what really stood out to me is how absolutely fucking stunning and beautiful the cinematography is the lighting and all the shots it's very spooky it's very atmospheric um with a very like ominous and at times very synthy like a synth wave retro score which i don't know why that kind of just got lost on me the first time around um i i really i totally agree with the state of mind like sometimes with these types of movies that are a little bit more esoteric let's say you kind of have to be in a certain state of mind, frame of mind to just, I guess, um, not get it, but appreciate it or just let it like seep into you but holy moly is this movie beautiful to watch so so good and that is you know so different to a lot of the other extreme films out there is you know i I mean i i love grim grimy extreme (laughs) films where i'm going oh did someone shoot this in their bedroom is it real you know i (laughs) i do really appreciate those films a lot but i think it's really refreshing to watch a film like baskin where the cinematography is so stunning and it's visually so pleasing and it's so slick um and Uh i think actually you know with that paired with the horrific gory imagery that you're seeing there it does make it somewhat even more shocking because i think until you know i guess the first you know at least the first quarter of the film you're going oh wow this is you know it seems more psychological you've got that beautiful cinematography in there and then it goes really heavy into gore and depravity and it's almost like you cannot escape from every single piece of it because it's it looks so good and it looks so realistic but yeah Yeah. i I love how it looks yeah and talking about that horrific imagery boy like you've got chains everywhere bloodied naked people with wraps around their eyes bodies wrapped in plastic garbage bags you know we have shrines and rituals and it's just like this whole mythology that on a brief internet search earlier 
earlier today. I wasn't really able to find anything per se that might be like, this is like real kind of Turkish kind of lore or superstition. They have an incredible amount of gods and goddesses in their history, I guess, um, in their belief system. But I couldn't find anything that really stood out to be necessarily that this is like from real life kind of beliefs. Um, But that also makes it really interesting that it's like this holy created, newly creative world. And like, how how far does it go? And how long have these people been doing this? And you have that character of the father and like, how long have these people been here? Because they're obviously killing other people. And like, are they other worshipers? Are they just people like these cops that they gather? I don't know. But I just like, I want to know. You get this glimpse, even more than a glimpse, right? I think what slightly turned me off initially is that I felt like we saw too much at the end. And I thought maybe we could have left a little bit more to the imagination. But then second time around, I'm like, no, I want to know this world because this is really important to the story and the journey of these characters. And particularly um, Arda, I believe his name is like the younger guy in the in the group because he has been, it seemed, visited by these people or this mythology in this world his entire life. And now it's kind of just coming full circle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about like, you do see a lot of that kind of, you know, that world that's been built, but I'm the same as you are. It's like, I need to know what that is. Like, I need to know how far it goes. I want to follow the rabbit hole and see, you know, how (laughs) deep this this thing is. Um, And I think as well, like that, because I know it's been kind of said that it's like potentially a satanic cult or some kind of cult Mm -hmm. that dwell in that building. And like you said, you know, are probably taking people, maybe getting them into, you know, their chains and their little wraps. But I think there's also quite a few other ways to potentially read it is more that it's you know it could potentially be a manifestation of Arda's anxieties and fears um because the film talks a lot about you know death we see at the beginning of the film him as a child hearing his what we believe to be I guess his mother having sex in a room um whilst this cloaked figure goes to get him then he talks about the death of his parents of his friends and I think that you know you could potentially look at that whole world that's built in that building as maybe you know his own personal hell or a version of hell I think it could actually go so so deep and that's why I think you know even when you do see as much as you see you're still going there could be so much more within that to uncover even though I'm I think I was kind of like how worse could it get though because it's pretty (laughs) damn nasty the shit they're up to there yeah (laughs) that's very true and you know spoiler alert folks but you know there's that one person, Arda, like, I was going to say he survives at the end, but then he doesn't, or it's not really straightforward. There's a lot of very, very much, like, ambiguity in this film, and, you know, thinking about it, there's a lot of, like, surrealism, there's a lot of dreamlike qualities, because it's not a straightforward, linear storyline whatsoever. There's jumping back between, like, maybe daydreams of Arda, just general sleeping dreams, and, like, maybe lived experiences, anxieties. We find out that his uncle, 
Rachel also kind of like sees this creature kind of emanating around them, just kind of in their periphery. So it's maybe like a family linked thing because eventually, and I made a, a note about this, that his uncle that he calls boss in the in the movie says, you know, we were summoned here. So like everything kind of is cumulating to this one point in his life, this journey. And is he going to survive it? Like, how is he going to get through this? I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is, you're right, actually. And I guess as well, you know, the fact that you've got that aspect when he is younger and it kind of, you know, it's like almost that cloak figure is coming back. It could potentially, you know, be something to do with, it might be, you know, it could even be, you could even look at it and say maybe it's like a a family curse or, you know, something to do with the deaths of family. What happens to that particular family after they've passed the afterlife of them? Um, And I think he has a really interesting relationship with his uncle in the film as well. Uh, the fact that they're, you know, they're quite close and there's the scene in the restaurant, isn't there, which is, it's kind of like a dream. You're not quite sure whether it's part of the film or uh-huh. something in his mind. Um, and they have a lot of, you know, deep conversations there. And I think for me, they were talking a lot about, you know, their fears and things like that. And I think the fact that his uncle is is there with him all the time talking about these fears, perhaps it is, yeah, perhaps it's something more deeper that goes you know runs in their family and maybe is kind of again going back to that that law aspect without us really knowing it i mean i'd love to pick can evrenol's brain and see whether you know he uh well yeah. where he came up with the inspiration for this and whether there was anything you know like on a personal yeah. level from his childhood or family that kind of built mm-hmm. into this because it feels like there's something there yeah it feels very personal that's a great point yeah it feels very personal and i would yeah i would also love to pick his brain like where did this come from is there some kind of turkish philosophy of life and death that maybe you know we're just not really privy to because of where we live and is it more deeply rooted in in their belief system i would i would love to know more maybe i will google see if there's any kind of interviews again on a brief browsing about baskin there's like some reviews and stuff out there but there's not a lot of let's say like you know chatter about it analysis about it i didn't really see any interviews per se with the with the director and writers so yeah it is i perhaps a you know a very underrated gem and when i was thinking about like the surrealism the esoteric often those are films that I don't like like I'm a kind of a straight shooter in life I kind of like straight straight shooters and movies like I just want it <laughs> it sounds really boring but like I like things to kind of wrap up I you know I do like different experiences and things but like sometimes when it's just like a little too out there sometimes I'm not so into it and I was thinking about it like this movie with like the surrealism dreamlike qualities the the movies the films of Panos Cosmatos so Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy I didn't really like both films but definitely not Beyond the Black Rainbow because it's just it's very just like I'm making these motions of like above my head like it's just like very out there 
Mandy I liked, but it does have that kind of feel to it and, you know, the color scheme and how it's shot and like there's a lot going on in it. And then I was, uh, you know, I was reading different people's reviews and what they had to say about it today. And there was one that I that just kind of made me kind of clue in and click to me was that Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. That is not a straightforward film. It's all about the imagery and the atmosphere and the score and just like the bleakness of it. And I love that movie. So, you know, it kind of just thinking about that. And that's how I kind of see Baskin, really. So and also I'm going to bring up The Void, which is a Canadian cosmic horror movie that I don't particularly like because of these types of things. So for me, it just like sometimes works and then sometimes doesn't work. And just how do you feel about like those kind of um, movie comparisons? I absolutely agree. All of those comparisons, like definitely. Um, And I'm, I'm with you. I didn't Beyond the Black Rainbow. I just I couldn't get on with that movie. I was like, yeah. It's for me. It was like almost too dreamlike. I was like, I may as yeah. well just go to, to bed, to be honest, and have a yes. you know, get a good night's sleep whilst <laughs> having a weird dream. Um, Mandy, I did like, but I think yeah. it's you know, I think obviously there's there's a lot of elements to that, and you've got. I mean, you've got Nick Cage losing his shit, which you, you yeah. kind of can't not love as well. Um, <laughs> the Void, I actually loved that film. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, For me, that really worked. I liked that. And I also, I think I got really into the, the monsters in the film. I thought they were fantastic. Yeah. However, yeah. actually, um, Fulci's The Beyond, I detested that movie. <laughs> I was like, and I think for me, it was almost too atmospheric. Um, I think I got lost along the way in the fact that it felt quite, you know, you mentioned bleak and I think he does so well at presenting a bleakness in there but I felt like they were almost you know quite I don't know bland segments for me whereas I feel like a film with like Baskin it takes that vibe of the bleakness and the dreamlike or more nightmare like but (laughs) I guess it fills it with what we both love you know extreme gore and those kind of scenes where you're going oh my gosh that's really quite out there which I mean that absolutely worked a bit more for me because I was like mm-hmm. yes i would like to see a lady hack up a body into pieces thank you very much that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly what the beyond was missing for me <laughs> I would definitely like to watch a woman with a animal skull attached to her face give birth to whatever that was. <laughs> we never do find out. I was like, did the breeding not work? Is that what's supposed to happen? Are you pleased? Are you displeased? I don't know because nobody has eyes and it's so gross. Okay, I have to say like now that I'm remembering like just how disgusting this movie is. I felt it. I could smell it. I was like, uh, it's just it is unhygienic in there <laughs> it is oh i mean some of those though i mean yeah it's a filthy film like i think uh Ugh. every scene you know how you're talking about like the chains and the wraps and everything it is it it really makes your skin crawl and i'm sure you know i'm sure we've probably seen like films that actually are worse in what you see but i think this one it just yeah some of those rooms where you know like the police officers they take a peek in and you can yeah. only just imagine the stench and the the pure horror at like looking inside a room and it's just full of like blood and visceral and bodies and yeah it's it's actually a nasty film (laughs) it really is like surprisingly so and and like there's 
when there's a lot of like filth and like guck and muck like in their mouths and they're like going like it's just like pouring out of their mouths I'm like I don't even know what this is but it's I'm sure it's a mixture of bodily fluids and their surrounding environment and I was like this is a dirty nasty film and kudos to the folks that like just gave it their all like the that's some great also the acting like I thought the acting was really great and yeah the cops reactions to this horrific nightmarish scene as they slowly like walk into it and also this movie is kind of scary like I didn't scare me but I could see it scaring people like it actually is kind of horrific um so it definitely plays up in the horror and I, I really felt that in this movie and I really appreciated that it this time around it's really really well done even though I feel like there's some elements that again maybe needs more watches or more just time to think about it there is some confusing things and I was hoping there was maybe a, some kind of symbolism between behind all the frogs in the movie but again brief look and I was thinking about it I was like not necessarily like in Turkey is like do frogs mean something specifically but it's just a hugely imaginative film yeah it's it's so imaginative and like you said you know there's I did the same I was like what does the frogs mean is it like a (laughs) biblical reference is it you know something to do with religion is it like like you said I was like is it a thing in Turkey where frogs are just you know are they bad luck or something like that because and you know perhaps maybe they are it might be you know I know for instance like um quite a few of my friends they're foreign you know a lot of them are from Italy or um Holland and places like that and all these smaller towns they have like their own kind of you know things that are bad luck or things that are good luck or kind of you know very small small town laws and I wonder whether Baskin actually might have an element of that and it's just something that you know it's not like known worldwide and maybe Google hasn't hasn't got the yeah. information for <laughs> yeah. us yet yeah um but yeah I mean the imagine the imagination behind this is is ridiculous it's it's fantastic and yeah like you said I think I I mean I can't even think how many times I've I've seen this now because I'm always like who wants to watch Baskin um, when when I see my friends, <laughs> obviously they they all watch and they're like, that was not a nice movie, and I'm like, but I love it so much. Don't you guys love it as much as me? Um, but yeah, you you definitely spot new things every single yeah. time in there, which. I think just makes it such a fascinating film to watch. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that perhaps we haven't talked about or hit on yet that you love about the movie at all that you want to talk about or just keep expressing your love and adoration for? (laughs) I think... I think the other thing I I really like about it is the fact that it's not... It is, you know, very different to other extreme films that are out on the market. I think I personally... You know, I love extreme films, but I think personally a lot of them go for the shock value over anything else. And it's all about how much gore and how much nastiness can we get in there for the sake of and I I mean you could definitely argue that point with Baskin to a to an extent but I also think with Baskin you can see that 
yes, there was an aim to shock the audience through what's shown on screen. But I think actually, you know, Can Avranol's goal with this was to get the audience thinking a little bit more. Um, and I think as well to give, you know, extreme horror fans perhaps something that feels like it has a bit more substance to it. And, you know, like there's so many extreme films that I've watched and I'm like, I just would never watch that again. Like, I'm just yeah. not going to rewatch that because I'm never going to get something out of it again. Whereas I, and you, I don't know whether you'd agree with this, but um, I would kind of put this into like a category of extreme with something like a Serbian film where it can be watched again and there is a larger, there's a larger narrative at play. It's not just here's 20 bodies hacked up over the course of the film and that's pretty much it. Not to say I don't love those films because they serve <laughs> yep. their purpose. But yeah, I think for me, it's kind of, you know, something I would watch alongside a film like a Serbian film. And you could go away and, and start to write theories and essays on it. Whereas, you know, there's things like, you know, August Underground. I fucking love that movie, but it doesn't really have anything to say. It is what it is. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. No, I love that. I Yes, I agree with all of that. It, the rewatchability of it is very high. And I agree, like a Serbian film and films of that aspect of extreme horror, because you're right, not a lot of them have the rewatchability. Like, I've seen Headless. I will never watch Headless again, because why? Why? And, and like, it's great. I saw it, and, like, maybe there are some that I would, you know, generally rewatch. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you that there's a lot that I don't necessarily need to watch again because I don't get much out of it besides, like, ooh, that was crazy, and... And, and then you move on. You're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a fucked up movie. And that's wonderful. But yeah, the rewatchability of this movie, because it really starts out, like you said, kind of like this psychological, spooky, atmospheric kind of movie. And you're like, what am I in for? This is really interesting. And again, it looks fantastic. And then you're kind of hit with this maybe existential kind of dread and ending of what it means to die in life and, and, and mortality and everything. And now you're just mesmerized. You're like, well, I can't look away. I am trapped in this movie. And what am I going to, where is it going to go from here? And what am I going to get out of it? And I absolutely agree with, with the rewatchability, which might sound weird to folks that perhaps don't really watch a lot of extreme cinema and extreme horror, but there are some that are good to watch again. You're right, because there's underlying, and I already wrote down an idea for an article for for this movie, because the enti- like the entire ending, there's like everything that that character of the father says is in itself there's a lot going on in like one sentence and I was like I was going to start writing them down I was like no I can't just watch the movie you will see for yourself it's worth a watch but yeah no absolutely 100% agree with you for sure well I'm and I'm so happy that you uh, <laughs> that you changed your mind on it because otherwise I probably would have you know ended up crying <laughs> today <laughs> oh no well I'm really happy I was happy to revisit it and see kind of why somebody would like it but I was like oh no no this hit this hit me exactly where I wanted it to and it's absolutely fantastic so do you have any final thoughts about Baskin from 2050 I mean I could I could just talk about how much I love it over and over <laughs> but um and I also on Instagram I've messaged Can Evronel more than enough times and said I just love Baskin he's very aware um <laughs> I'm a bit of a, a weird fangirl for the film um but I guess my I guess my final thoughts would be that I would just really urge even fans that of like 
you know more kind of generic horror fans that don't like uh extreme to give it a shot because i think yes you know i think it's very underrated i don't think it gets enough attention or as much love as it as it deserves and i think you know in the landscape of horror it's one of the best made films up there um it is terrifying it is beautiful soundtrack's amazing it's acted amazingly well and it's got a little bit of something for everyone psychological you've got you know your gore you do have that spooky you know nightmarish atmosphere to it so i mean i would yeah it's on i think it's also available like easily now on amazon as well so i think anyone that hasn't seen it i would just urge to put it on the watch list because i think it it deserves as much love as it can get yes i echo all of those sentiments absolutely and i agree i feel like this is a more quote extreme horror film that is more accessible to it might be a little bit more palatable to to general horror audiences. I agree that it has, I think, something for everyone. Don't go in expecting some spooky ghost tale, but it is, I think, a little bit more accessible. Like, I even want to recommend it to Jess, my co-spinster at Spinsters of Horror, because I think that she would get a lot out of it and be really horrified by it, but it wouldn't, it's not so disturbing that it's like breaking a lot of really gross taboos, but it still goes that extra mile to be pretty extreme and unsettling so beautifully done just incredible movie those are also my final thoughts it's amazing so you are my guest zoe where can people find you in the world of social media everyone can find me pretty easy i am zoba with a shotgun um on all social media outlets although on twitter i'm zobo with shotgun without the a because you know they've got those character counts and stuff <laughs> um and also yeah anyone listening please do also follow ghouls magazine um on social media because we have lots of exciting things things happening and coming up on there and obviously um kelly hopefully you will be bracing the channels in some form or another very soon uh because we would we would love to have you but thank you so much for having me it's as always it's been a pleasure (laughs) as always yes thank you very much for coming so folks that was episode two of shock talk what are your thoughts on baskin hit me up on the spinsters of horror social media accounts or join our coven on facebook i hope you enjoyed this dissection as much as i I will see you again soon when we talk about more subversive and scandalous extreme horror cinema. But until then, get the hell out of my dungeon. You're gonna burn in hell.